For our second message today, we have a sermon from Mr. Steve Andrews entitled, Baptism, the Glorious Beginning. Mr. Andrews. Well, greetings, brethren. We, uh, uh, we're going to have a sermon by Wayne Holmes today. And he called me at 10 o'clock this morning. <laughs> and their car was not functioning very well. So they're creeping back home. Hopefully they made it, or they're making it. Um, I'm hoping that they're going to be able to function and get back to their house today. They were about halfway here. Usually that's the way they do it before they come to services here. And I'm very, very sad that he wasn't able to make it, but I did have this message I've been working on. The year was 1969. The season was in the middle of the winter. It was extremely cold. It was January. I think there was icicles everywhere. The house was an older home with, I think it was two-story, but I'm not real sure my, my vision of that particular time. But in the basement, it was nice and warm, and there was at that time, cattle tank, I I could say, cattle frog. And this young man was buried that day in 1969. From that time on, the Lord Jesus Christ has led, directed, and saved many times that young man from many things. And of course, I'm talking about myself and the baptism that I had and remembering that baptism. And I wanted to ask all of you, especially you, those of you who have been baptized here, do you remember your baptism? Do you remember that time? And if you're listening in, and you've been baptized. Do you remember your baptism? Because it's very important. It's not a ritual that you go through just to become a part of this congregation or any congregation or church. Baptism is one of the most important things that a person can do because it's a personal commitment that we make to Jesus Christ and God the Father. It's also a basic doctrine. Turn with me to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. As we go through this, I call this baptism the glorious beginning because it is a beginning for each and every one that, that comes to Christ because you're commanded to do this. But I think also, if we keep it in the forefront of our thinking, of our life, it can also be an encouragement to each one of us. In Hebrews, 
I mean, in, yeah, in Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Just a couple of verses here. Actually, I'm going to read. Um, I'm going to read the first three. It says, "Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith towards God, and of the doctrine of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do." if God permit. So we see, we call, we've always called these the basic doctrines, the basic things that we learn when we first come in to this way of life. Jesus Christ and what he is doing and working in each one of us. I want to go back to the beginning. When John was baptizing, it was the early part of baptism. I know there's a part that goes into the Old Testament, but I'm not going to cover that today. I'm going to save that for a later later time. I want to I want to cover John's baptism and what he said. And we're going to turn to Matthew the 3rd chapter. We're going to look at this beginning in verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and say, repent you, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so the first thing that all of us are faced with is repentance, isn't it? Even, as we'll see later, it's the first thing that we're supposed to do before we come to baptism. But he was, re he was preaching repentance, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a lantern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around about Jordan. And were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But they, when they saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? They weren't coming to be baptized. They were coming to observe and to criticize. They were not coming there for the right reasons. And so John was very powerful, very potent. Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. He preached repentance and baptized. And I think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children to Abraham. That's pretty powerful words. <laughs> Looking down at the ground down there, around that River Jordan and saying, hey, I can raise those stones up if need be. And now also is the axe laid to the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree which brings not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. It's interesting, that's also a theme that Jesus used throughout his ministry. 
He says, I indeed baptize you with water to repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit, with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat out of the garner, but he will burn up the chaff in unquenchable fire. And come Jesus to Galilee, to Jordan, to John, to be baptized of him. But John forbade him to say, I have need to be baptized of you. And come you to me? What was the question? You're coming to me to be baptized? I need to be baptized. Jesus answered and said, Allow it to be so now. For thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. It's interesting that baptism is a part of the righteousness that starts our life in Jesus Christ. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up immediately out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And of course, we know that the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness after that, and he had a great test against the evil one, Satan, the devil. In Mark, the first chapter, I remember right, all of the Gospels have this particular part where John and Jesus were baptized. Well, I want to just cover these two. Mark, the first chapter, beginning in verse 4. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. And there went out to him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with a camel's hair and with a girdle of a skin about the loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. Now, it's a pretty Spartan lifestyle. Pretty Spartan. And he preached, saying, There comes one mightier than I after me, that the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it shall come to, and it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. So we touched on that. Now let's look at the conversion of Paul. We'll look at that in Acts, the 22nd chapter. As he relates this again later in his life, we find it more than once in the scriptures, but I, I picked this one because he's, he's preaching to some, some Jews, and there's a powerful message about his conversion. And of course, he's about ready to be taken into, into custody, and many things are, are happening in, into him. But let's begin in Acts, the 22nd chapter, and beginning in verse 1. He's talking to this, this group of Jews of Tarsus, and he says, Men and brethren, men, brethren, fathers, hear you my defense, which I make now to you. And when they heard that he spoke in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence, and he says, 
I am verily a man which am a Jew, born of Tarsus, a city in the uh, Cilicia, yet brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as all are this day. And I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women. This is a confession, a witness that Paul is giving, powerful witness, in fact. Also, as also the high priest does bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders from whom I received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound to Jerusalem, or to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come near to Damascus about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light around about me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecute you me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spoke to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise, go into Damascus, and there it shall be told to you of all things which are appointed for you to do. And when I could not see for the glory of the light that was being, <clears throat> being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelled there, came to me and stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. In the same hour I looked up upon him, and he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you, that you should know his will and see the just one, and should hear the voice of his mouth. For you shall be his witness to all men, of what you have seen and heard. Even though the powerful message that Paul was to bring was something that we probably will, would never ever be able to do, we still have a witness because of the, the baptism that we have and because of Christ in us. We are still to witness because of our, and, and be a light to the rest of the world. Paul's Witness, Paul's um, thing that he had to go through, the trials, the tribulations that he had to go through, was very specific to him. And it was needful because he was called. And now why tarish you? Arise, be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Interesting, isn't it? This, one of the, this, this profound word right here, these, this verse. Arise, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Paul had been out there wanting to have all of the Christians killed. And even Stephen... whom he gave that command to be put to death. 
He says, and then it came to pass that when I was come to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste, get you quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I, I am prison and beat in every synagogue them that believed on you. When the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting to his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said to me, Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Let's see how far I want to go all the way to 27. And they gave him audience to this word and then lifted up their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for it is not fit that he should live. And as they cried out and cast off their clothes and threw dust into the air, the chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and bid that he should be examined by scourging that he might know wherefore they cried so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned? When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what you do, for this man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, Yes. And so he even used his Roman partly part citizenship. Um, I'm not sure what side of the family was a, a Roman, but he, he did use it. And then he became a very powerful witness in Rome. In Acts, the 19th chapter, now, let's go back a little bit. Acts 19, and begin. Am I back on? Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I move around too much. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said to them, What if that battery's getting low? Because it's not staying on. Yeah, it's uh, flashing the battery, Richard. And in fact, it uh, looks like an empty battery. <laughs> I'll put it right there. Hopefully, it'll stay on. Let's pick it back up here again. And um, He said, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Spirit. And he said to them, to, to what then were you baptized? And they said, to John's baptism. So they were a part of that group that was a part of John's baptism. And then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should be, believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. 
going back, I think, to my own baptism. I remember after the baptism and laying on of hands, how much, how much joy I had after that. I was driving back, and I can't remember. I think it was pretty slick. And I, I wasn't even really paying much attention to that at all. I, I was just in, so euphoric with that baptism that I had come to that point, that I had come to the point of accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and being buried, put there. I didn't speak in any tongues, but I knew, I knew that I had received God's Holy Spirit. I felt the change and the strength that God would give me through that Holy Spirit and through that baptism and through the repentance that I had accomplished. And so part of that is laying on of hands, the baptism, the repentance, and the receipt of that Holy Spirit. He says, all men were about 12. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading things concerning the kingdom of God. Well, Paul's messages, Paul's preaching was very strong. I just, you, you can almost feel it in, in, in his words in the, in the book. Just, just so powerful. And probably because he met such a powerful first beginning. <laughs> when Jesus came down and told him, hey, you're going to work for me. You're going to preach. You're going to go through a lot of trials, but you're going to do it for me. We're coming up on Pentecost, and as you've heard, we're counting down to those days. We're counting up to those days. Day 35, and I'm not going to go through, but I just want to touch because we always go through Acts 2.38. That's the, I'm going to do 2.37 and 2.38 because there was a powerful message that was brought to these people on the day of Pentecost. And they were pricked in their hearts. In verse 37, the things that they heard, they were pricked in their hearts. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now when they heard this, they were, um, and then Peter said to them, repent. Repent is the first thing. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive. I want everyone in here who has been baptized to understand. I think some people say, well, I don't know if I really, if it really took. <laughs> if it really took. I've heard that before. I mean, was I, when I was baptized, I don't know did I really receive. The Bible says you shall receive if you have gone through this, if you have re truly repented. If you have been baptized and put down under and baptized and in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is a very positive statement. And they did receive the Holy Spirit. It is very interesting also 
as I've been thinking about this quite a bit. Conversion is not a, is not a ritual. Baptism is not a ritual. It is a, it is a binding covenant with Christ and the Father. I put down, never, ever take your baptism lightly. Whenever you get down or you think that things aren't working right and stuff, go back. Think about that time when God was working with you and bringing you, bringing you to that point of repentance and baptism. And you will be refreshed. You'll be strengthened. It will help you through those times. As a ministry, we're also supposed to preach and teach this, so that's what I'm doing today. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Baptism is one of those very important things that we preach, that we teach, that when, come, when people come to us, we want them to, to understand about it. So we, we talk about it, we preach about it. In, in Matthew, the 28th chapter, beginning in verse 18, he says, all power is given to me in heaven and earth. So when Jesus puts these things together, that's very important for us to understand. Go you in, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And the end of it says, Amen. We agree. So we're supposed to teach this. We're supposed to reach out and help others to understand about what God is doing in their life and about baptism, about the receipt of the Holy Spirit, especially as we come upon Pentecost. In Mark, the 16th chapter also, I wanted, wanted to touch this one. Go you into the world, verse 15, and preach the gospel into every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believes not shall be, it really means condemned. Well, they'll have to wait. <laughs> they might have to wait for the second resurrection. But those that believe shall be saved. And the salvation is a glorious salvation. That's the reason why baptism is the glorious beginning. I, I like to quote this a lot. And I apologize, but I think it's so very, very important in Hebrews, the 11th chapter and verse, verse 6. Because for all of us to remember that it is the belief that is so important. To believe in your baptism. To believe in the work that's doing in you. To believe in any gifts that God gives you. In verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please him without faith, without believing in God, without that basic understanding and believing God, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder that diligently seek him. And so when we make that first, that first um, movement through repentance and baptism, we know that God is working with us. He's not going to abandon us. He's going to bring us into the kingdom of God. 
Tide also, I've been thinking about this a, a great deal. Tide also is the Passover and baptism. In John, the sixth chapter, he makes, he makes a, a tremendous point about our relationship to him and how we have to accept him. We have to accept the body and blood of Christ. He says in verse 52, I'm going to read 52 through 69. He says, then Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. For flesh is meat, for my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I am in. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall live by me. We know what that's all about, don't we? Because we come to the Passover service, and we take those emblems. We take those emblems that represent the flesh and the blood, the flesh and the blood of Jesus Christ. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. As the Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eats me, even he shall be lived by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He eats this bread, he that eats this bread shall live forever. All of these are tied together and tied into our Savior Jesus Christ. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, Does this offend you? Of course it did to some of them. What? And if you shall see the Son of Man ascend where he was before, it is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. See how belief is so important. Believing what Jesus says. Believing in the conversion in your own life. It is so important. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I to you, that no man could come to me except it were given to him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said to the twelve, will you also go away? And then Simon Peter, you got to love him, answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus had to pray for Simon Peter, didn't he? The Satan wanted him, wanted him bad. Jesus prayed for him, and he was the one that later just had a lot of powerful messages, and we're thankful that, that they're in the Bible. We believe and are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? Oh, and he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he that it was 
should betray him, being one of the twelve. So right there, I think maybe even Judas knew that he was, maybe not, but. Let's turn to Romans, the sixth chapter. One of the things that's very interesting about baptism, because it's, it's a type, Paul explains it very, very succinctly in Romans, the sixth chapter. So I won't try to ex- extrapolate right here. Let's just read. Let's, let's find out about baptism and the power that's there and the things that we need to be doing in our life. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He just talked about that. And it's important. And he says, God forbid, or let it not be so. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Remember, we come to God in repentance. We come to God in repentance. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. And that's the reason why we go all the way under. And we make sure that you're all the way under. We want to make sure that you're thoroughly immersed, baptized, dead, spiritually speaking, not real. I guess if we'd held you under long enough, you probably would be. But we know it's a type. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we, shall, we also should walk in newness of life. When we come up out of that watery grave, it's a, it should be a change in our life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, baptism, we shall also in the likeness of his, also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that hereafter we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more death, has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died to sin once, but in that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are alive, spiritually alive through Jesus Christ because he lives. He didn't die. He was resurrected. So when we go into that watery grave and we come up, we understand that we walk in newness of life. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it to the lust thereof. So we have instruction from Paul about our continuing life after. As we know, the temptations, trials, tests are going to come upon us. And we know sometimes that we're going to sin and we're going to fall back. But we've got to fight with those things. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, 
but yield yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? And again, he says, God forbid. You know, grace is a wonderful thing. Through Jesus Christ, we are blessed with his love and his concern. It's like the father and the elder brother taking care of us and watching over us and understanding our physical, emotional, spiritual needs and supplying what we need daily. If we go to him, if we, if we go and we ask and we come to, to Christ. He says, Know you not that whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether to, of sin to death or of obedience to righteousness? Right there, this is important to understand that obedience to righteousness. So what's righteousness? The laws of God are righteousness. The commandments of Jesus Christ are our righteousness. The Sabbath is the righteousness. Yeah, we're under grace, but we also are of obedience to righteousness. If you love me, keep my commandments, Jesus said. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to in iniquity to uh, iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness to holiness. So we're commanded by Paul, who was directed by the Holy Spirit, to give us this instruction. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, eternal death, if not repented of. And we understand that, don't we? But now being free from sin and become servants of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end of everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That should be engraved in your heart <laughs> the wages of sin is death that payment for sinning is death eternal death if you don't repent of it but the gift of God the loving loving gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord one verse I think we'll find out Colossians 2 verse 6 we'll find Colossians in here Colossians 2 and verse 6 he says as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk you in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving Walk in that way. If you have received Jesus Christ, walk you in him. 
In Galatians, the third chapter, we find out that we're also heirs. Galatians 3. I read this and I just... How can, how can I be an heir to something that's so glorious and so wonderful? He says in verse 26, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. See how many things Christ Jesus does for us? <laughs> it's so wonderful. And he's taking our hand as little children and walking us into the kingdom of God is what it amounts to. You are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. He says, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's another point of the importance of baptism. As many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Not only are you a new man, but now you're walking as Christ walked on this earth, or at least we're supposed to be. And then there's this also this part here. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then you are what? Wow, what a, what a, what a link. If you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Whoa. <laughs> you see how all this is tying together? And where we fit? And all the wonderful things that, that are ahead of us? Becoming a part of what God and Jesus, the Father, God the Father and Jesus Christ are putting together and doing in our lives. Barnabas touched on this last week, so I'm only just going to read just a little bit of this. This is 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read a lot of this. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that body one, of that one body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized in the one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink of that one spirit? That's why I don't make any um, judgments or assumptions unless somebody is just way out there about their baptism or their conversion or anything because we don't know. Do we? We don't know. I mean, we can look at their fruits. We can do all of that. But when it comes down to making a decision as to whether we're going to be in the kingdom or not, or not and whether we have God's Holy Spirit, or whether we're, uh, Jesus is taking care of us and the Father has, that's, that's between God and you, <laughs> each of us. And he calls us all one body and members of that body. I don't know if I have time to finish this. I think I do. Maybe 10 minutes will do it. Let's go to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Just I'm going back to where I started, but I want to read some more in here. 
Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. That's maturity. That's the kingdom of God. I think that's where we're headed. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, the faith towards God, and the doctrines of baptism, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. These are part of the process in our, in our spiritual growth. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance, seeing they have crucified themselves, the Son of God afresh, and put him to open shame. Um, I always try to read that. I know um, I, that's, that's between an individual and God, but... Um, I think that's a warning to each of us to, to look back at our baptism, to really understand it, to really understand and, and comprehend what God is doing in us individually. And to be encouraged by that. And not to want to turn back, but to want to go on into the kingdom. He says, For the earth which drinks in the rain that comes down upon it and brings forth herbs meat for them by whom it is dressed, receives the blessing of, from God. But that which bears thorns and briars is rejected and is near to cursing, whose end is to be burned. And we, we remember that because Jesus says that, that God is the husbandman and he is the vine. And we're part of that. And if we're not a part of Jesus Christ, we're going to wither up and we're going to die. Remember when the tree broke out here? I remember walking over there and looking at it and I said, Wow, this thing's already dying. The leaves were folding up, and it hadn't been much more than about a day. It was not receiving any nourishment. We have to be a part of what Christ is doing. We have to stay attached to Jesus Christ. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, things that accompany salvation through though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous. To forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to fulfill the assurance of hope to the end. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater. He swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily um, swear by the greater an oath of confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation. We might have who we might have a strong consolation who have fled to refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Now there's a song, anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters into the into the inside the veil where the forerunner is our savior the forerunner is for us entered even jesus 
made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And he's there as our advocate, our high priest, and he wants us into the kingdom. He wants us to be a part of it. Brethren, I encourage each one of us, if we get discouraged, to go back to think about that time when God was leading you into your into that time of baptism, leading you to, to, to come and to repent, leading us to that. It's, it's a wonderful thing to understand that Jesus Christ, God the Father, are now dwelling in each one of us that are baptized and leading us into the kingdom of God.